this morning to Big Woods Bible Church. <clears throat> Wendy and I were driving here this morning, and it was cold and wet, and it was raining, and I said, who in the world is going to show up today? <clears throat> and God arrived. Amen. And I'm glad that you're here, too. But it's really not about what you and I want this morning. This is all about what the Lord would have for us. Amen. I've preached in a lot of places. I, I've preached in hospitals and jails and camps. I preached on a boat one time in an airport. I have never preached in a sanctuary with a bounce house in it. This is a first. We'll have all kinds of fun this afternoon. I love, I love the Word of God, and I love the fact that I get the privilege of opening it up every single week, of reading it, um, and just digging, mining from its depths, great riches to offer. And uh, that's what we're going to do first and foremost. I want to direct your attention. I'm going to read a couple verses. Our text will begin in verse 12. Philippians chapter 1, it'll include verse 12, verse 13, verse 14. We're going to pray, and we're going to dig into this. The word of the Lord says this. <clears throat> I want you to know, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of my brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Would you bow our heads and pray with me as we begin? Father, as we sang, sounded it so, so beautiful. Lord, we need you. And that is our prayer that we lay at your feet at this very moment. We ask and we invite you to speak to every single person here. I thank you, Lord, that you arrive first, that you are foremost, that everything that we do, everything that we say is for you. And God, we would ask, Lord, that as we learn more about you this morning and about your word and, and the gospel, that you would open up eyes to see you. Open up ears that they will hear you this morning. Father, I, I pray for help personally. I pray that you just guard my mind and my mouth. May everything that is said and done be for your glory. Lord, we examine the subject of pain. I think, Lord, of those in Pittsburgh who have suffered great loss as a result of just evil and hatred. Father, as we were confronted once again with tragedy, I would ask, Lord, that you would remind us that it's only you, only you, that offers hope in such a dark and desperate world. I pray for those that have lost loved ones. I pray for those that are 
recovering in hospital. I pray for this, this man, Mr. Bowers, that even in his darkness, you would be the light. Father, speak now, and may us, your servants, hear. We ask this in the strong and powerful and wonderful name of our Messiah, Jesus. Amen and amen. A joyful purpose to our pain. I want you to think about those two words for a moment. Joy and pain. Joy and pain. They are not generally associated. They don't normally go together apart from, the only time I can think of joy and pain is what is childbirth. I have never given birth before, but, but I, have, I have witnessed it on two separate occasions. It's not a, wow, it's not a really pretty picture in many ways. And I'm thankful for the many moms that have given birth. And I think of us as dads, our role is is much easier at that moment. And I don't know, in all honesty, if I pass the test very well um, to see someone that you love, that you care about, suffering like that. And, and I, was more, I was more of the kind of peeking in the, the hospital room once in a while. How's everything going, okay? And back out again. I got to go, I got to go I got to go vacuum the car. It really just needs to be vacuumed right now. I just didn't do real well in those moments. Whenever you see some guy just vacuuming his car like over and over, you might want to question him on what he's actually doing. Uh, I don't think the Apostle Paul experienced birth either. And yet at some level, he shows to us this morning this, this connection between joy and pain and how how does that work such opposites polar opposites for all of us we've been involved in this study this this series in philippians it it, it has a theme of joy that bubbles all the way up to the surface 12 times in four chapters the word joy or a form of that word is used and we've talked about the fact that there is a definition of joy that it's the result of a settled conviction that God sovereignly controls all circumstances nothing happens by accident God sovereignly controls all circumstances for for your good and for his glory and yet we know that some of those circumstances are not always easy they're not always fun it's not about just what having it easier having it fun matter of fact we looked at this this whole chapter so far and we focus what on the fact that god is to be the focus and, and then others are to be the focus god is to be the focus and others are to be the focus and you and i aren't in that list why because god and others can take better care of you than you can take care of yourself so this is, this is the approach that Paul is taking as he's writing here this letter. His second missionary journey planted this church in Philippi. He loves, he loves this faithful church. About 12 years later, he is now imprisoned under house arrest in Rome, and he writes this letter thanking, thanking the Lord and, and those people for ministering to him. Paul makes it very clear that 
that, that pain and suffering that he is experiencing actually has a purpose, and it can serve, number one, to advance the gospel. Pain and suffering that you and I perhaps are experiencing or perhaps will face actually has a purpose. There's a reason for it to advance the gospel. Paul begins with this phrase, I want you to know. I want you to know this. It's a very common expression that is often found in in ancient letters, simply meaning this, I want you to get this. If, If he were a father... He would take his hands and place them, what, on, on, on the, the, the cheeks of his son, and he would draw him in close, and he would lean in, he would look at him in the eyes, and he would say something like this, listen to me, listen to me, I want you to understand this. What has happened to me, well, what is it that has happened to Paul? What is the situation that he's in? What is the circumstances that he's facing? He's under house arrest, different than the way it looks today. This is not a man who is sitting on a couch, eating TV dinners, playing video games with a a bracelet on his ankle. It's not like that. He has, what, literally been restricted from any movements, any freedoms. There's actually a long list of what Paul has endured up to this particular point, and it's listed in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me me give you a little bit of a, a view of what Paul is explaining when he says, these are my circumstances, this is what has happened to me. Listen to this. Five times, five times I received 40 lashes less one. Five times, 40 lashes would would actually kill a person. Five times, he received 39. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once, I was stoned. Three times, I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, Danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Eight times Paul mentions the danger that he has been in and is presently in. Danger. We associate danger with what? Pain. Now, we, we don't know exactly what it was. Was this guy just like, was he just on a constant run of bad luck? Was he someone that, that just was in the wrong place at the wrong time? This sounds like a guy that if you, like, if you needed someone to like, come alongside of you and help you when you broke down, you, you don't want this guy because this guy just seems to be bad news all day, every day. And we hear about Paul and his sufferings and automatically we hear what? Yeah, well, I suffer too. Just, just this past Monday, couldn't get my lawnmower started. No, 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 a whole different world. There's so much in our world that is so... Trivial car won't start, dropped the ball, flunked the test. No, let's put the trivial aside here. 
We're not talking about that. Some of you that are sitting here this morning can identify exactly with the pain that the Apostle Paul is experiencing. A body that has been wrecked with pain. Some of you know exactly. Some of you know what? The, the, the heavy, dark cloak of darkness and depression that just seems to wrap around you. So, so heavy that you can feel it. Isolated, alone. Some of you feel the pain that what no one else understands. No one else gets what I'm going through at this moment. And there's a, a, a hopelessness and a despair. That's how we would oftentimes feel in our own flesh. That's in a sense the way that you would expect Paul to feel. But yet he doesn't feel like that. God's man of the hour, the Apostle Paul, it seems like he knows something that a lot of other people don't know. I'm in danger. Danger is associated with pain. And we live in a world today that we do everything we do everything to keep us from any sense of, of discomfort or pain. We live in a world, what? We live in a world of, there's, there's cushioned playgrounds nowadays. Take the fall, it's alright, you bounce right back up again. We live in a world that, what? Painkillers and nerve blockers are, are very quickly given by way of a prescription from the doctor so you don't have to suffer that way. There's other types of pain that perhaps, rather than a doctor prescribing something, and sadly, people try to self-medicate. Just one more drink will take that pain away. Just, 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 just one more shot of this, and it will numb me. It'll take me, remove me from that pain. And we live in this, this, this bubble wrap society that says that, 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 that nothing should ever hurt you under any circumstance. It's just, it's just not true. My grandson popped into my office this week, and I'm reminded, and I'm thankful for safety locks and, and safety sockets. There's electrical sockets that are like child-proof for two-year-olds, and I'm thankful for that before he sticks something in there. The problem is, is that I can't figure out how to plug anything in in my own office. It's that safe. I'm not suggesting, okay, here you go, take a fork and stick it in because you gotta, you gotta learn it sometime. I'm not suggesting that. Have you ever, ever realized that we don't go looking for pain or suffering, but at some level, it seems to find us all. We don't go looking for it, but it finds us. Have you ever thought, have you ever paused, have you ever pondered, have you ever considered the idea that perhaps there's something that God wants you to learn in the midst of that pain? Have you ever given thought that God perhaps has called you to suffer? To, to as it's referred to, to, to drink from that cup of suffering? Have you ever consider that that there's a purpose for you paul actually describes what that there's a reason 
for the pain and the suffering that he's experiencing. There's a reason for it. And he says this, it's to advance the gospel. That, that there's something, again, that the Apostle Paul knows that many people don't know. I'm experiencing this. No one wants this, but he sees the purpose and the reason in it. He, he, he um, is perhaps released after this house arrest, this time in Rome, ministers at, a, at another time, at another place, and then is re-arrested and is, is, is imprisoned once again, years later. In his very final letter that he ever penned, 2 Timothy, in chapter 2, he speaks to this young pastor, Timothy, and he says this, Remember Jesus Christ. This is now at the very last chapter, a man who has just suffered unbelievably. And, and he writes to a young man, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering and bound with chains as a criminal. And he says this, but the word of God is not bound. You can lock me up. You'll never lock up the truth of the gospel. You can try to shut me down, shut me up. You will never shut down and shut up the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul continues on to Timothy and he says this, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation that is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. You understand what Paul is saying? He's saying, I'm suffering this, what? So I can be a testimony to others. I, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering, I endure everything so that others may obtain the salvation and the hope of eternal glory that I have. Let's, let's just pause and put the mirror of the word of God in front of our own lives right now, in front of my life. Bad day. Yeah, yeah, bad week, bad month. It's been a horrible year for some people. Is your suffering causing other people to hear the good news of Jesus? Are you speaking of the fact that Jesus loves you regardless? Are you speaking about the fact that it doesn't matter what happens to this body? Later on, Paul will write, what? To, to live is Christ, but to die is, is actually gain. When you live and think with an eternal perspective, there's a hope that exists, and there's a joy that comes as a result of that. Paul had so desperately wanted to go to Rome. Why? Because Rome, in many ways, was, 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 was the capital city of the world. If, if Rome heard the gospel, if Rome believed, the world would hear the gospel. And he had desired to go to Rome, but he, but he didn't desire to go to Rome like this, in chains, after months, on a ship, one that had been shipwrecked. And he, he arrives, what? And he's not galloping into town on a white steed, proclaiming, good news, I've got good news. No, he's what? His, his, his wrists and his ankles are, 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 are rubbed raw from the chains. But he still says, there's still good news. There's still good news. There's still good news. And the gospel 
advances in the midst of adversity. That word prokopei, advance, actually, is the same picture that is used oftentimes for soldiers in battle that are climbing a hill, taking a hill or taking a beach. They're advancing. People what, are, are firing at them, or shooting at them. Others, enemy, want them dead. And it's hard and it's scary. But the gospel continues to advance, which means what? This, this message of the gospel that we hear and talk about, it, it, it must be worth it. I mean, soldiers go to war. Why? Because they, they fight for something that's, that's, that's worth dying for. That's what Paul's talking about. That's what Paul's talking about. That there is a message, even in the midst of your pain and suffering that you're going through at this very moment, there's a message that gives amazing hope. The fact that every single one of you has been created in the image of God. It says before the foundations of the, of the world were set. Before what? Before Genesis 1-1. Before what? In the beginning, in the beginning, before the beginning. Always God was and he saw you. And he created you. It says what in the psalmist words that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That he knit you together in your mother's womb. And not only has God created you in his image, but he has created you with purpose. I talk to people all the time. That's the number one thing they're looking for. Why am I here? Like, what am I supposed to do? It just doesn't make sense. And nothing seems to be working for me. Your purpose is to live for the glory of God, using every part of who you are. Amen. For his glory. For other people's good, not your own. Now, we know that God created us to be in fellowship with him, but God is a holy God, and, and us as, as sinful people cannot be in relationship. P people don't, don't, they, they don't need to be convinced of the fact that, that, that they're sinners. We all know that. We know it's in our hearts. I'm so happy that you got the raise this week. I'm just celebrating alongside of you. We know it's in our hearts. We know that in our sinfulness and in God's holiness that there is a great distance. And yet I love the fact so simply it says in John chapter 3 verse 16 that God so loved you. God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That's Jesus. To suffer and die on a cross to pay the price for your sin and for my sin that we simply cannot pay because God alone came to earth wrapped in the flesh of a man Jesus and he is the only one in the history of the world that lived a perfect and a sinless life he was the lamb without blemish without spot we couldn't save ourselves we can't save ourselves but we can have faith in the one who died so that you could live. We rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ didn't stay dead, that we know, and he was witness. More than 500 people saw him dead, and more than 500 people saw him alive. And it is historical fact. 
And yet people, people still question, people still doubt. And yet we know because Christ rose from the dead, we too can, what? We can live in the newness and walk in the newness of life with joy. Something that seems to be lacking in our world today. Not only does this pain and suffering allow the gospel to advance, but we know what? It also gives us greater boldness in the gospel. Look at what Paul says. He says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without any fear. How, how, how much is that needed today? More boldness. Yeah, but if I, you know, if I tell people that God is holy and that we as his creation are sinners, that could be upsetting to someone. That could be offensive to someone. Yeah, it could be. But it's an offensive message. That we are to be bold and brave to continue to share. And that's the result that others who were watching the Apostle Paul in the midst of this suffering. They said, what, if he can, if he can do it, if he can be that brave, I can as well. Amen. I want to be as well. Uh, the fact it talks about the imperial guard. These were not fun guys to hang around. You didn't invite, what, the Praetorian Guard to your birthday party. They were fierce fighting machines. They were the best of the best. They were also, what, known to be the cruelest of all the cruel. And it, said, it says that, what, even, even the Imperial Guard was made known of the gospel. The good news of Jesus. Did they believe? We know they knew about it. And that's what our responsibility is. To be bold and brave. To show other people that even in the midst of our suffering. There's a purpose what? To advance the gospel. Which brings not just joy in this moment. And purpose in this moment. But joy for all of eternity. For all of eternity. Let me close by asking, how, how, how are you suffering right now? What's, what's the pain that you're experiencing? What, what, what is it that it just seems to, to wake you up at night and it continues to resurface and it, it just flows to your mind and, and, and it keeps you from a place of, of rest? What are you suffering? Let me ask you this. How, how are you doing in that suffering? I hate it. I just hate it. Yes, God perhaps has called you at this moment to drink from that cup of suffering. But understand this. That just as Paul followed the example of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Paul was motivated by the example of Jesus. We too can be motivated by the fact that Jesus Christ suffered with purpose in mind. He saw you. You realize that you are a walking testimony. Others are watching you. Others will do as you do. Others will follow you. You have impact and you have influence. So that when we choose what? To see, to see this as an opportunity for the gospel to advance and for boldness to come in the lives of others. Then praise him, praise him as a result.
The clock never stops ticking. 78.8 years on average right now in our country. And we know, just as we reminded yesterday, at any moment, our life can be snuffed out. And every single one of us will stand before the Lord. You will stand before the Lord. I will stand. And the Lord will say one of two things. Watch, come, come, enter. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been obedient. Not perfect, none of us have been, but you've been obedient. Come. Or else what? Depart from me because I never knew you. You heard the gospel, you heard the good news, and you rejected it. And I can't, I can't, can't be near you. So, so today, be mindful of the fact that every pain and every heartache, every bit of hardship that any of us always face has a purpose to steer us toward the good news of the gospel or in bitterness and angry fit of fury, you can be driven further from it. And so I invite you. I invite you to come. To say, I, I want to know more. I, I'm struggling in this area. We're hurting as a family. No one else gets it. Please understand that the idea of my big Woods Bible Church even exists is to come alongside one another to build relationships so that God is glorified and lives are transformed through the gospel. And we can't come alongside of you unless you say, what? We need help here. We have a question here. I'm inviting you to ask that question. Speak to me, speak to any one of the elders, speak to any one of the pastors, anyone with a name tag. Make sure that you today understand the reason that we go through tough times is to see the hope that exists in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we love you and I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the time you've given to us this morning to listen and to learn. And, and my prayer, Lord, is that every single one of us would be encouraged to know that if God has called us to suffer in some way, that there's purpose for it, and that purpose can lead us to joy when we put our faith and trust in Jesus and not ourselves. As we finish this service, as we begin a time of just enjoying your creation and have fun in our festival with one another, may we understand the importance of seeing one another, of listening to one another, of bearing one another's burdens so we can fulfill the very law of Christ. Help us, Lord, not to lose sight of you. Help us, Lord, not to lose sight of one another. We ask this in Jesus' name. Would you stand with us, please, as we close? <coughs> as I was uh, reading Philippians, this was the song that came to mind for a closer, so I hope it blesses.